Hi, I'm Heather. Welcome to another episode of It's a Wonderful World. Please remember to connect with me at divinewonderland at gmail.com and share and like the show. Let's get started. It is my pleasure to have as my guest today, Miss Kadisha Thornhill, also known as Miss Weed Wiki. She is a cannabis educator in Canada and co-founder of Afro Canada But Sisters with Natalie Cox. Kadisha, welcome, darling. Thank you. Thank you so much, Heather, for having me here today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Let's go to our first question. Describe your essence. I think at, at my core, my essence is a fighting spirit, but um, not a fighter of battles, but fighting the status quo, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Can you expand on that? It makes sense to me, but in case yeah. people are wondering, what does I, that I, mean? I like to problem solve. I think maybe because it's a large part of what I do in my day job, um, I, I've developed um, a natural ability to creative problem solve and think outside the box. And I think because of that, it makes me more inclined to disrupt a situation or a status quo than to say just overthink it and, you know, bemoan it. For example. When we think about the status quo, often we think there's nothing that can be done about it, right? Because that's why it's called the status quo, it's just the way it is. And so to look at it and say, no, that's just a way it's being done. There are other ways. It really expands what is possible. Absolutely. And I think it starts by understanding why it is the way it is. I think too often we are told to just accept things are the way it is. And that's almost, you know, generational. It's how our parents raised us, you know, do as I say. Um, and parenting just has, parenting has evolved and we don't necessarily raise our children the same way now. Our thinking has evolved. We don't accept necessarily the status quo just because it's been done for a hundred years or 150 years before. True. When you talk about your life experience or life experiences, that moved you towards the cultivation of your best self, your well self. What was that experience or what were those experiences? Um, I think it, it starts from understanding and resolving past traumas. Um, I think uh, while I had a very blessed middle-class lifestyle, there were a lot of traumas around me that I had to um, understand and process and heal from before I could undertake whatever journey my purpose was meant to be. So, so um, understanding that and understanding um, why I make the decisions I made. Sometimes, you know, for example, um, some people have a thing where they went, they, they were into bad boys. You know, for example, when you're in high school and you're first in, involved or into romantic relationships, you would be intrigued by the bad boy. Well, eventually through time, you realize, okay, that's just a phase. But it's also understanding why you were into bad boys, for example, right? Indeed. So it's understanding why 
I, I had to get to a point of understanding why I made the decisions I made and, um, and then learning to love the person I became because of them. I think what you're saying today is, is really important because often when we talk about the experience, we speak about direct experiences and you're saying even if the experience touches you indirectly, it can be a catalyst for a particular way of living. Absolutely. I see it a lot with my job. Um, I, my day job requires me to sometimes handle very severe um, motor vehicle accidents, major traumas. And when somebody passes, for example, in a car accident, it's not just the end of that life. It's the ripple effect of all the people around that person who they supported. And so it's understanding interconnectivity of people and how that factors into the decision-making when trauma happens. We all do some way of processing that right? So it's what we learn from those. I'm very um, intrigued by the lessons from that, that I needed to learn. It's so important. It's so important. It it just really speaks to our interdependence as human beings. Exactly. Exactly. Because there's such a struggle, right? We're struggling to maintain some type of connection to each other, but we are in, in a very individualistic society where technology is making us even more so. So we're always at odds. That is true. It's always uh, some tension there. And with the pandemic, we realized how much we are interconnected and how much we actually do need one another, even with the technology that we thought was uh, enabling us to connect better. Yes. And the talk, and it's interestingly too, I think, one of the um, reverberating effects of the pandemic is realizing that technology holds us a lot more together than we realize. It wasn't that difficult a transition to take your family reunion to a Zoom chat. We could actually do that even more often if you think of that. Yes. If we were to leverage windows. the technology av- available to us, we could connect way more easily. And I think the pandemic has shown us that. How we do it and why we don't do it, those are the bigger questions. You make a good point. You make a good point. I also found with moving to these different platforms so that we could see one another and connect with one another, that even that connection was insufficient for me personally. So I do need the face-to-face. Yes, because we also, it's how we learn and how we understand and how we relate. Um, a Zoom chat is still two-dimensional, right? You have the, what you see and what you can hear, but you can't get the feeling of the tone, right? It's very, it's a small box. We right. read body language. We right. read, you know, inflections in tone. So yeah, um, having to social distance has really taught us um, how much we do need all the other parts of our senses to communicate and connect with each other. It's not just how we talk. It's so true because when I get a chance to engage people physically, the smell of that person is important to me. Right, right. And I'm not even, I haven't been thinking about that because I haven't even been close enough to people to smell them. Remember before, do you remember life before the pandemic when, for example, being an ex-Montrealer, we kiss on two cheeks. (laughs) That's gone the way of the dodo bird right now. (laughs) 
nobody's getting kisses anymore. You're getting an elbow dap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe the dodo bird is getting a kiss, but we aren't. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right, right. You know, as people comment, you know, some people are marveling at the fact they haven't had a cold, a sniffle for a year and a half, and they're enjoying that. Oh, my gosh. It's, yeah. yeah. A, a truly different world, indeed, and truly different world. Let's let's look at your journey now in terms of love, joy, forgiveness, compassion, your dreams fulfilled. How are they contributing to your wholeness? How have you cultivated them? I'm, I'd, I'd have to say it's learning to be brave, okay? And because I, I find, I found, Growing up, I wasn't always interested in the same things as my friends. Okay, if mm. we're honest, um, yeah. elementary school is just learning about your body, and then high school is to teach you how to society to conform, really, right? To wow. peers and and all, right? There, it, wow. high school education is about teaching you how to conform. College yeah. and post secondary is about you making a decision on how you're going to conform, right? <laughs> <laughs> And opening up your own choices, but you're, you know you're going to do a few more years and then plug into the matrix that is our work life, right? right. But not a lot is given to, to how we process all that, right? And how we make those decisions. So I find so I'm, I'm at that stage where I was learning that when I wanted to do the things I wanted to do, not that's handed to me through a curriculum or anything else, I have to be willing to do it alone. So, for example, I loved flag football. I pushed somebody to get me the contact information of a league in Mississauga. And, you know, at the age of 28 years old, I decided, let me email and go out to my first game. I, I said I wanted to join the team. I didn't know a soul on that team. That's fantastic. And that football decision in 2001 led, led to me playing up until about 2015. Wow. Right. Like, and early <laughs> on, my friends who knew me swore I was going to quit after the first few weeks. <laughs> Every, and then it was, OK, you're going to quit after the first season. It took a, a few seasons, but even my dad, like, understood this was a part of my life. Like, and it, so, but it's t it took me going by myself to that first team and even many teams after, you know, yes. like, yes. then I would make friends on those and, and connections. But it's like, you know, when you change jobs and you're, you're going to be the, the new person on that new job, you might not know anybody at that company and you start all over again. And I think as we age, we get less, less inclined to do those new things, be that brand new person. And I think mm. it's important to embrace those experiences. Never get rusty at wanting to try something new and to do it alone. You know, that is so important the bravery in our lives because we miss so many opportunities because someone says, yeah, I'm not going to follow you with that or I'm not going to join you or you think you have a partner and the partner says, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. You're, you're on your own. And we have to sit for, for a minute and decide, are we going to take that step alone? And once we take it, it's almost addictive. You realize how much you can do when the ideas hit you and you say, look, I'm just gonna go for this. Yes, and, and watch also the people around you who were no. Eventually, some of them start wanting to go with you. 
because the no was keeping them back. And because it kept them back, they expected it to keep you back. When you start seeing somebody else doing something you've always wanted to do, doesn't that make you feel like, hey, I can do that too? Yeah. Or I say to myself, why didn't I do that when I thought of it? Right. (laughs) Right. But, you know, and you can regret it, but you can also say, hey, someone's showing me it can be done. Let me go do mine. That is so true. I mean, that's how my podcast evolved. Mine too. (laughs) I I had one idea of, okay, let me convert my Airbnb in the basement into a studio. I went out and I bought a mixer. I bought um, microphones and then realized um, nobody's coming to my house. We're in a lockdown. I don't want strangers in my house. And then it took a few um, instances of be- me being guests on other people's podcasts when I realized, oh my gosh, this is a remarkably sinful process. And so even though I had thrown oodles of money at the process of a podcast <laughs> in a studio, it's sitting untouched. And I sold it. I'm selling it all because I didn't need really more than my laptop, my Zoom connection, and a good editing software. So it goes, you know what I mean? We even when we (laughs) want to do something, we really overthink it. (laughs) That is so true. That is so true. I have a microphone, I have my little buffer here, so I won't pop. I have my headphones. And then I realized all I needed was a telephone. Imagine that, right? It it was like, poof, a telephone. So I had to get a better telephone (laughs) in order to do what I'm doing. You know, you talk about your podcast and it sounds as if that's one of your, your dreams next to the flag football that you played. Tell us a bit about what you discuss in this podcast, Miss Wiki, Weed Wiki Speaks. Thank you. Well, Miss Weed Wiki Speaks was it it was born out of my desire to find out more about the journeys of people in the cannabis industry, particularly black women and black men. So um, but definitely everybody in the industry. Cannabis has been legal in Canada since 2018, October. It's not a long time, but it's one of the biggest and fastest emerging industries. It was declared essential. And I think I think the industry as a whole made like 2.4 billion last year. All right. So it's still a new industry, but it's, it's, you know, it's emerging and it's evolving at a lightning speed with archaic legislation trying to catch up with it. Um, I saw as a black woman consumer that there was very little to nothing in the Canadian cannabis space or media that was trying to inform me about cannabis, have conversations about cannabis that I was interested in. So I started having my own. And so um, I started connecting with people on the basis of topics I wanted to cover in the cannabis space as an educator. And then people who had interesting roles or industries or business, sorry, businesses in the cannabis industry that eventually became many of my, my guests as well. But we discuss different things from, you know, uh, cannabis legalization in Quebec versus, you know, and I'll have a guest the following week discussing legalization in Washington state and comparing Washington state to Oregon and California. So the the beauty of the pandemic in podcasting during it is I've been able to connect with so many people really around the world 
that I wouldn't normally have been thinking to had life gone on uninterrupted by a pandemic in March of 2020. So I'm grateful for all the lessons that it's been teaching me and that it keeps renewing that that urge or bravery within me. Indeed, great. Congratulations on your podcast. Thank you. It's It's been a pleasure. I've got about 32 episodes and it's going to go on hiatus for, you know, the balance of the summer, but it's, it's a pleasure to do. And I can't wait to keep going at it. I'm really hoping to explore so many more people. There's so many conversations and stories that need to get out there. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. I'm sure after hearing what you've just said, that other people will be looking for your podcast. How often do you come up with a new episode? They were weekly um, until I go on hiatus and such a, a great variety of guests. Like I've even, you know, had a legal bud tender who, you know, and it's one of my favorite episodes, you know, um, basically uh, it's about, you know, her being, you know, how, how much she loves being a drug dealer, you know, and it's, so it's an eye-catching title but right. also related to, you know, being a black woman previously racially discriminated or targeted for cannabis and now being able to sell it legally. And, you know, it's a bit of a, it's, it's, it's quite the paradox we're living in, right? Yes. That's, that's a wonderful teaser for your show. Exactly. Thank you. You're welcome. When you think of aging, how has aging made you better? Wise. The wisdom and the knowledge and understanding the lessons that I won't have to repeat continually versus the ones that I've learned <laughs> once and I, keep get, I get to keep going and maybe passing on the lesson to others. From I really get the joy of the wisdom. I, I think because for me, knowledge is such power. I didn't like knowing everything as a kid, if that makes sense. Tell us, tell us what you mean. Like, if there was something that you want, you were curious about and say older teens wouldn't tell you because you weren't of the age to learn about it. The denying of that information would just make me want to look for it more, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess to me, you know, information and knowledge has always been power. So when you get older and you have lessons that you can learn from, I, I embrace the wisdom that comes from it because those lessons made the journey worth it. When you talk about your well-being, your focus on well-being, based, uh, based on the fact that you mentioned cannabis, how has your focus on your well-being helped you in meeting your life's challenges? It's actually, I have cannabis to largely thank for that. Um, there's... The interplay of the cannabinoids in, in my system actually allowed me to, with, the, with me not being anxious about the impression I'm leaving with other people, it allows me to be my authentic self. So, and to live further in my truth because of it. When you feel like um, you're being stifled or your voice is being silenced, you get frustrated. And that's, I think, a lot of what my mental health issues would get mired in, in that, that frustration of not being able to say what's on my mind or what's in my heart. And um, I think through intentional use of cannabis, I've just learned to um, give more freedom to that 
and grace with it. And also it helps me um, meet people where they are. I'm a lot more patient. Because I'm, my, I'm not racing with the same impressions and messaging in my head that because, you know, when we have conversations with people, there's what you say to each other, but there's also what you hear in your head. Of course, your scripts. Right, right. And especially when you're in positions where there's conflict management and advocacy, it's so hard to get those always perfectly in the right categories. Things spill, right? And then we get more guarded as a result. And then we're scared to speak anything. And I feel that with me and with cannabis and using it with intention and it managing the anxieties that used to come with that, I'm not facing that issue anymore. That's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. So you're living more expansively. Exactly. And in the moment. In In the the moment. moment. Because the other thing is those conversations and those insecurities, they replay hours after whatever happened. Right. right? And next thing you know, you missed the family dinner because you were too busy, upset mentally about what happened that morning. Right. Like so, so many of us have a hard time just even being present, you know, and if you can't be present, you're missing everything that matters. And I don't want to be that person that misses everything that matters. Uh, So true. So true. What have been some of your major insights on your journey to self? I, I think that imposter syndrome is real. There's no um, two ways about it. I don't, I think, and it's, it affects so many of us. So that's a pretty big insight to manage because sometimes too, that's a barrier with the person you're dealing with. So what do you mean when you talk about imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome, like, um, when you feel like you have a purpose and you want to lean into it, the negative messaging can be relentless. And when you're trying to do something and you haven't even seen anybody else do it, it's even more so. So understanding that that negative messaging is often related to imposter syndrome and trying to manage that, I think is very important to keep you on the path to your purpose. Otherwise, you may talk yourself out of it so many times. And we need resilience if you want to commit to your purpose. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yes. Thank you very much. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us that I haven't asked during this conversation with you? No, it's, um, it's been great talking to you. I hope I've shared a bit about, you know, the things that I'm passionate about. It's been a fun conversation. No, you really have. I think, you know, we're coming away with the need to be brave, the need to do things that other people around us may not want to do, may not be able to do at that time, and sometimes being the beacon to show them what can actually be done. And blocking out the script, the societal script from our minds that says to us, this is the way to live life. And if you don't live it this way, you will not be accepted. So you spoke about being brave enough to accept yourself and the journey that you have decided to be on and the gifts that come from that journey. Very well summarized. I couldn't do a better myself, I think. (laughs) Kadisha, thank you so much 
for sharing your wonderland with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Until next time, love yourself more in the midst of your wonderland. Peace.